All right, everybody, we're going to move right along today. Let's get in, uh, in the Word. Let's, let me invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 today. A lot of, uh, how about that testimony from the Davises, right? Was that encouraging or what? Yeah, faith building. I know um, that's uh, something we can carry with us and be reminded of. It's nothing like a good testimony uh, to just build our faith and actually see it happen in somebody else's life. So uh, exciting and encouraging. Uh, let me read our verses for today. 1 Timothy chapter 1, going to be at verse 12. Paul writing a letter to his young protege in the ministry, his spiritual son, who's a pastor in the Ephesian church. Verse 12, Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. Verse 15. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. And he is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word today. Thank you for stories and testimonies, God, in our church family. Thank you for what you're doing. I know things are happening behind the scenes, and it takes some time for it to come to the surface. So, Lord, I pray today that the work you're doing in our lives behind the scenes, give us patience and give us endurance, Lord, and help us to continue to fight the good fight and persevere and not lose heart or grow weary in well-doing. As we are here in your presence, here in your word, speak to our hearts. Let our hearts, let our minds, let, our, let all of that connect with you today so that our life can be on point and be on target with your will for our lives. Help me to bring it the way you want it brought today in Jesus' name. And everybody can say amen. Again, guys, if you haven't noticed, the air conditioning's out. I didn't know if you picked up on that. If your feelers were out there today, we sincerely do apologize. Uh, we found out yesterday morning that it was not going to be fixed before today. Uh, and so we had no time to do anything other than try to have a few fans around uh, for you. We do have ice water uh, for you. Uh, if you need that, please get up, get it if you need it. I don't want anybody passing out because it's too hot. And I will try, I really will try not to be too long, I promise you. Um, we're in this series called Vision 2020, Let Hope Arise. And uh, we've just been sharing some things, unpacking from God's Word, some thoughts and some, some stories. Uh, life stories, real life stories about how, how, uh, how we need to have hope in our everyday life. Uh, you heard that story there about some things that the Davises have learned over the last several years. 
and how God has just kind of brought some things together and working behind the scenes for many, many years. And then finally, they reap a harvest of something that they were just being faithful in what God was calling them to do. And God showed himself strong and faithful and provided. And, you know, some things they learned there. It's things you and I learn all the time. And, uh, and that's, that's what we shared last week or the last uh, couple of weeks about things that we've learned in marriage and in relationships and how God wants to work in our lives and, and do some things holy in us with our relationships. Today I want to start part one of a, thing, of, a, of a message I'm calling 20 Things I've Learned in Ministry. 20 Things I've Learned in Ministry. And um, there's a lot more than 20 things I've learned. I'm just trying to narrow them down. I'm just going to share a few of these with you today. Uh, really my story uh, with ministry began when I was about four or five. Uh, I don't come from a family of pastors or preachers or, or, or tent revivalists or anything like that. Uh, I, don't, I don't come from a family that I know of. I've looked and I haven't found one yet. Um, but I used to sit on my grandfather's knee when I was about four or five. I can kind of go back that far in my memory and, and remember that. I'd sit on his front porch and uh, where there was no hardly any bl wind blowing. You got more blowing in here today than then. And I would sit on his knee on the front porch and he would have a little old radio up there and he would have a tape player, a tape player and he would play preaching tapes from Oral Roberts to who he used to listen to. And then one of his favorite songs uh, that I remember him singing was I'll Fly Away. Anybody remember, you know that song, I'll Fly Away? And I just remember sitting on his knee a lot when I was around four, five, six, seven years old. And, um, and he would just do that. Uh, and every now and again, he, he, I would start singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And he would start, and he, had, he actually recorded that. I didn't know it one time. I don't know where that tape is today, but he recorded that. Uh, my grandfather was not a pastor. He was not a preacher. He was not anything like that. But he uh, saw something that, that God had put in me, even at that young of an age. I didn't even, didn't even realize that until way later, years later. And, um, and so he passed away when I was um, around 11 years old, 11, 12 years old. And I didn't, didn't serve the Lord, didn't know the Lord, didn't really go. We didn't go to church a whole lot. My, my folks went to these tent revivals in the summer, I, I, and it was hotter than, you know, and it was hot. And uh, my mom uh, got born again and filled with the Spirit in, in, those tent, in, that, in a particular summer in one of those tent revivals. And so we kind of started entering some church stuff and uh, getting involved here and there. And then... Uh, it wasn't until I was almost 16 years old that, that I really got saved. And I was at a youth revival uh, where I got saved. Some of you have heard that story before. And, and, and then, uh, so we got into a church in Memphis where we lived in, uh, in, in, um, and started our kind of really, that's where we got our spiritual roots were right there. And got involved in church, just start, started going to youth groups, serving the Lord, stuff like that, being faithful. And then it was... Uh, the summer after I graduated high school, uh, way back when, in 1994. Some of you remember 1994. Uh, some of you don't want to remember 1994. Uh, but for me, uh, 1994, I was on a mission trip out west, and I just got through doing some ministry and, um, and was just serving. I, I, wasn't, I didn't preach or anything. I just was serving and doing things, being available. And so, but I felt this thing hit me, uh, and, and, and it felt like, you know, I, 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 this, this thought really came to me that ministry, youth ministry, full-time ministry, and it just kind of wouldn't leave me alone. So I remember going and talking to my youth pastor and my leader at the time, and, 
just sharing these things with them. And, uh, and so they just kind of uh, affirmed some stuff there in my life. And so just began to make myself more available to the Lord to serve him however, however he wanted to use me. You know, just young and free and naive and, and didn't know a, a darn thing about anything. Uh, just that I love Jesus and that I wanted to make him proud and I wanted to be faithful to him. And so, uh, and so anyway, just started serving, and they started using me in different ways. And then I, went, I graduated high school, went to college, uh, went to Bible college and seminary, went back to college several years later, and wrapped up another degree uh, here at Union, here in Jackson. And, and so we, I became, in 1996, though, uh, kind of mid, middle ways, I, I was offered a, an internship uh, there at the church. I served there for a little over two years in an internship, then in... Uh, February of 1998, the church offered me a full-time position in the student ministry and uh, went into full-time ministry February, I think it's like February 4th or February 8th, 1998. So just, tw- oh, just this year, it's 20 years, full-time vocational ministry. And so, but that, uh, that all, I share that to say that really all started out because I had a desire for it or that I knew anything about it. It really started because I believe my grandfather planted a seed, a seed of God's love in my heart that I wouldn't really discover until many years later. And then discovering, like Paul says here, I thank Christ who gives me the strength to do his work. That he he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him even though I used to. Even though I used to. So certainly there's a lot of things I've, I've learned over the last 20 years in ministry, and I'm just going to run through these. Uh, let's, let's see, let's look at this. Number one, everything begins with loving God. That's probably the first thing over 20 years I've learned is this, is everything begins with loving God. That's really the first qualification. Jesus talks about this in the greatest commandment in Matthew chapter 22. He says, you need, let's, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is equally like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hinge on these two things. If we can love Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love other people, then everything else that God has for us through his word can work itself out in us. But it all begins first with loving Jesus. Because here's the thing. If I, this, this right here keeps keeps what I do as a pastor from just being a job or a career and it helps me to understand that vocational ministry is a calling that it's not just something I I do uh, just because I don't have anything else to do all right just because I don't want to do anything else this is a calling that the that God has placed all, all, all my life and he places on other lives that 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 the understanding first if I love Jesus that empowers me to love his people. And if I don't love Jesus, then I really don't need to do anything like this. That's for sure. Because I will really gravely upset and, and leave, do you guys a major disservice uh, if I don't love Jesus. But first and foremost, everything begins with loving Jesus. Because if I love Jesus, that empowers me and enables me to love his body. And so it really goes all, all the way around the, all of our lives that if everything you and I do in life, God intends for it to first stem from, come from loving him. So that if we love God first, that enables us to love other things and love other people. And so when you look at your life, first and foremost, the question we got to ask ourselves, like Adrian pointed out, get on your knees, get real with God. Lord, 
where, I, where I'm not right with you, make me right with you. Where I've erred in my ways, God, c- course correct my life and just set me on the path that you have for me. And so that's one big thing is that, hey, because um, loving God is where it all begins for all of our lives. Here's the second one. Watch over and preserve the health of my family, especially my marriage. Spent two weeks on this over the last two weeks talking about marriage and relationships. And I would encourage you, you can go to our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. Two messages there specifically about marriage and relationships. And we shared these things with you, the five love language book. We don't ha- have it to give out, I just reference it. But we also have, is, we do have these uh, love language profile sheets. If you haven't picked one up, you can stop by uh, the connect table there at the back before you leave and grab one of those. But I would encourage you. Uh, to go back and listen to those if you missed those messages the last two weeks. Um, but one of the, some of the, in First Timothy uh, chapter 3, they lay out, Paul lays out some qualifications for elders, for those who are going to be leaders in God's church. And one of those is, it, it, it says this, let's, let's look at it real quick, it'll be on your screen. Uh, chapter 3 verse, um, uh, verse 2, it says, that an elder must be faithful to his wife. Verse 4, he must manage his own house and family well having children who respect and obey him. If a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? And so the first 25 years of, of ministry for me, I've, I've been in it for 20, uh, so I've got a few more, few more years, but here's, here's what the first 25 years look for, for me right now is, is in pastoring. They're preserved with a priority to raise my household well. Uh, so the first 10 years is what we got of, of leading this church. First 10 years, I have a 12-year-old, a 6-year-old, a 4-year-old. I'm 42 now. The next 15 years will look like this. I'll have a 27-year-old, a 21-year-old, and a 19-year-old. God help me. Rodney, pray for me, brother. <laughs> I'll be 57 in 15 years. So here's the thing, church. You get a pastor who's in the process, whose main priority outside of pastoring the church is raising a family. That's the season of life I'm in. And so there are some things uh, that I will not just be able to do because of my priority at home. I try to make myself available to, to the church as best as I can, as much as I can, answering 2 a.m. phone calls uh, as little as I can, uh, but I will if I absolutely have to. Uh, I say that to just say this, that I don't want my children growing up resenting God or the church at large because their parents were too busy taking care of everybody else that they didn't take time to take care of them. And, and that's one of the huge things I love about you, New Life Church, is you get that. You respect that. And, and you pray for us in that. And I really, honestly, I, I, there's pastors I talk to who are on the phone 24-7 because their people expect them to answer the phone all the time. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for understanding that and for and helping us to help look after our kids. Because somebody said it the other day, it takes a village. It takes a village. And, and I'm thankful for a church that looks out for its kids. I, I was in my office praying this morning, and one of our young people come in and they say, they show their, show their mom, hey, look what I just got. They got a gift. Uh, and, and in that gift bag, there was, a, there was a ball, and it had some other candy from another country. And it came from one of our members here who just went to their home native country and brought back a gift for this child. And I, I was telling them, I said, you know, that's so cool that other members are looking at other kids and seeing and wanting that kid, that child, to see they're valuable, that they are seen, that they are recognized. 
that they are visible. And church, those are some phenomenal stories that, that come out of this family, that come out of this fold. So I say keep it up, keep it up. Here's number three. Number three, talking about things learned in ministry. You guys with me? All right, I know, it, I know it's hot. I, I, I get that. And don't make Van pull out a water hose and spray us all down here in a minute. Or he will. He'll do it. He's fast on that thing. Number three, talk about things learned in ministry and life. Here it is. Develop a team and empower and release that team to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4.12. Look at it real quick. Ephesians 4.12. Part of the gifts of the church says their responsibility talks about on pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, and apostles. Says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. That's part of what our job is. And here's the thing. I recognize that New Life Church does not revolve around me. I understand that. I get that. But it revolves around Jesus, our chief shepherd. Because at the end of the day, whether I'm present or absent, Jesus' church must still carry on. Amen? If I let you down, God forbid, somehow in a major way, the church must carry on because the church is not mine. The church is Jesus's. The church belongs to Christ. He is the chief shepherd. I, NLC is not my church. My name's on a whole lot of things. It's on all the important stuff, the documents and legal things. I get that. But at the end of the day, I get the privilege of being a co-worker with God to pastor this church. Okay? I get that. And I'm so thankful for that. While I do hold the position of, of senior pastor, I recognize I'm not the only pastor or the only leader in this church. That it takes a team. It takes many of us. These, we have some great ministry teams in our church. And listen, they love God. They love you. They are faithful and they work hard day in and day out. There are things that some of our leaders and ministry teams do that nobody else sees them actually do it. You just get to see the product of their labor. And sometimes that, that labor behind the scenes, it ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. But let me tell you this. I know they're on their knees praying. I know they're on their knees uh, talking to the Lord. I know they're on the phone checking in. I know they're uh, emailing. I know they're checking up with you. I know they're available, and I know they're there, and I know they're present, and they're approachable. We don't have some superstar, rock star, pastoral leadership team. We have people who are available, people who are approachable, and I like it that way. I like it that way because the shepherd should smell a little bit like the sheep. Number five, four and five, I grouped it together, four and five. Talk about lessons learned, things learned in ministry. Spend quality time with my Bible and in prayer, not for a sermon, but first for spiritual nourishment and relationship with God. Now, I, didn't, I, got, I got to tell you, I didn't understand that early on because busy, going and blowing and going all the way around, burning the candle at both ends. You know, when you're 22, 23, you just think you're invincible. You can go all day and all night, right? But what happened with some things I learned was my spiritual health was not that great because I did not spend quality time in my Bible and in prayer for the relationship with God. I was doing it to get a sermon. I was doing it to get a message. I was doing it because it had treated, I had treated it like a job. 
And out of everything, everything begins with loving God. Therefore, everything must continue with loving God. And so, spending quality time, my spiritual nourishment and my relationship with God, out of that, am I only able to stand before you and share with you, teach you, and, and lead you in a healthy way. There's just no way I can do it. If, I don't, if my relationship with God sucks, my leadership will suck. Can I say it that way? If my relationship with Jesus is awful, then my family relationship will be awful. Not them, me. And so everything begins with loving God. Everything continues with loving God. And our, my, our Bibles and in prayer. Here's the thing. I don't get the luxury of teaching you only what I want to teach or what will bring me the most applause and the pat on the back. I have to be obedient and teach you what God gives me to share with you. There, believe me, there are some messages I don't want to preach. There are some things he shares with me, tells me to say. I don't want to say it because it's not going to get a lot of amens, and it's not going to get a crowd around me at the end of service telling me, man, you did a great job today. But I have, at the end of the day, I have to be responsible for saying truth, obviously in the right way. Can't be a butthole about it, right? I have to be, I have to be gentle in a way and say it truthfully and tactfully, but at the same time, I have to be obedient to do that. Here's the thing, the Bible transforms because the Bible is full of power and full of life. And I have to not treat it as just a book to get some kind of message out of it, but I have to see it for the nourishment for my own soul, for the sanctity of my own spiritual well-being and my own salvation so that I can then help, help in a healthy way, lead a congregation, hopefully, in the direction of God. Prayer. I read this, a pastor said this, minutes spent with God make the day profitable. Hours spent with God make life triumphant. How about that? I love that. You know, before Jesus went to the masses, Jesus first went to the mountain. Before the disciples encountered all the crowds, they first encountered the Christ. And church... Before you and I meet the demands of our day, meet the, the, the messy minutes of our, of, our, of our life, we must first meet with the Lord. We must first take a time out and meet with our maker. Because we're going to meet our maker one day. I'd rather enjoy spending time with him now. You know what I'm saying? And him giving me all the things that I need to deal with the life that I live, the life that he gives me, the life that he blesses us with, even when the air is out, I will still choose joy and not get mad, right? Six through nine, um, I, I kind of grouped it all together, six through nine. You guys still awake? All right. I say six through nine like this with the heading of this. Pastoring people is impossible if I don't first pastor myself. Because of our relationship with God, God expects us to build and have layers of relationship in our life. That it, we, we, our relationship with God is one thing, but then God adds layers to it, and he puts people in our life. I have friends. I have, my wife is my best friend. I have mentors and elders and other leaders 
that are there for me. These are people that God has put in my life that love me, that know me, that speak truth into my life, speak correction into my life, but they're also there, they speak encouragement into my life. These are people that God has placed in us and placed around us that if, if I'm going to ever be any good at this, pastoring a people, I have to pastor myself first. And God helps us do that with other people, puts people in our life for that. Here are here's just a couple of things that these relationships have taught me. They taught me this, always stay grounded and level-headed. Always stay grounded and level-headed. In other words, get over my failures as quick as I can, my mistakes. But also don't let my triumphs defeat me. On my best days, don't let that best day make my head get big. And think, oh yeah, I'm ready to conquer the world. I'm ready to travel to all the conferences and speak. Stay grounded, stay level-headed. That's what these people teach me. They teach me this too. That greatness is knowing how to be humble. In other words, don't, don't be quick to write the book, Humility and How You Attained It. Or humility and you're proud of it. Greatness is knowing how to be humble. Let's look at what wisdom says in Proverbs. Proverbs 27. Pride ends in humility, or excuse me, can you back up one? You got the one before that? 27.2. It's getting hot in here. Let's move on. Proverbs 29, 23. We'll just stick with that. Pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. God is not looking for superstars to do his thing. He's looking for vessels of clay in which he can pour out his treasures in them and through them. At the end of the day, on our best day, we've got to remember our feet are still made of clay. And that God is the one who shapes us. And God is the one who pours into us. Amen? It teaches me this. This is the last part of this thing. Honesty and transparency go a long way. Honesty and transparency go a long way. Proverbs 28, verse 10. It says, those who lead good people along an evil path will fall into their own, into their own trap. But the honest will inherit good things honesty transparency if you know me at all you know that i try for that i strive for that i try to be real in front of you uh, as real as i can be and i try to model that try to teach that to my kids and try to model that in front of other people i'm not saying I, none of this stuff have i like you know checked off the perfect list there and, and you know i've conquered it and i've arrived on it and done it you know i don't make mistakes that's you know that's bad that, that yeah i make mistakes but here's the thing who and what i am comes before what i do in other words i don't try to hide behind the label of preacher or pastor for my identity because that's not who I am. Who I am is a person. Who I am is a creation of God. With flaws. With issues. I have doubts. I have things that I struggle with and wrestle with just like the rest of us. 
And so me preaching, me pastoring, me with a title or my name is not who defines me. God is the one who makes me. And which leads me to my last point for the day. And then you get church can say amen. <laughs> is this, number 10, only I can be I. Only you can be you. I like what David says in Psalm 139. I chose the message translation for this portion. David said, oh yes, you shaped me first inside then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. And I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made. Is that the end of that? Okay, couldn't remember. I'm not created to be like anybody else, right? I'm only created to be me. At 42 years old, I hate to admit it to you, as a grown man, it's taken me most of my life to figure that out. But I know people who, who have died old, and they never understood who they were. They hid behind a facade. They hid behind what they thought people wanted them to be. Friends, life's just too short to go through life trying to fake it, trying to be something you're not. I, I, I used to try to emulate other preachers because I thought, man, I want to preach like that. Not knowing what they do Monday through Friday and how life really, really is for them. It's taken me a long time, guys. Confession for me to just learn to be me, to be comfortable being who God has made me to be. I can't be, I can't preach and try to be like somebody else for the crowd to like me, for the church to follow me, to pack in the pews, even if it is hot. I can't try to be the impressor. I can just try to be honest, authentic in who I am. Only I can be I, and only you can be you. And at the end of the day, that's where I can, that's only the reason I can really lay my head down on my pillow at night is that God, today I didn't fake it. God, today I didn't try to hide behind the mask. God, I didn't try to be this in front of whoever today. I just lived holy and honestly the way you have made me. Screw-ups and all. Shortcomings and all but recognizing it and then understanding that God makes up the difference. That where I lack, he comes to the aid. Where I don't have, he makes up the difference. Amen. I want to close and going back to the first verse we started with, Paul said this, 1 Timothy 1, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. Because the, there's always going to be a tougher situation for somebody else out there than what situation you and I are facing today. There are pastors in other countries who don't have half, a fourth, an eighth of the amenities that we have here. 
I'm talking dirt floors, no sound system, no big fan. I think it's good that we can take some natural things and learn some good lessons in them, right? And I got to tell you, I appreciate your uh, perseverance to stay today because you could have just came in and got the water and be like, I'm out of here. It's too hot. Christ Jesus gives me strength to do his work. And be honest with you guys, over 20 years, I know to some that's not a lot, but to me that's a lot because I've lived a lot, seen a lot, experienced a lot, and there's been some really tough situations in helping to pastor other people, trying to help lead other people. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. For whatever reason, he did that. He did. And here it is, the comma, even though I used to. And even though I used to, God had mercy on me. Friends, you and I all have an even though I used to life. But somehow, through God's perfect love, looks down and looks into us and says, I want to use you. I still want to use you. I've got a destiny for you. I've got a purpose for you. I have a life for you that's better than one you could ever dream of. I have things set up for you. But even though I used to, God has mercy. And today, friends, one of the big lessons in today's service is this, is that wherever we've messed up, wherever we've gone wrong, wherever we have fallen short, wherever we have put our hand in place of God's hand, we back off, we bow down, we kneel down. And we say, Lord, today is a new day. Because scripture teaches us that his mercies are new every morning. Even though I used to fill in that blank, God's mercy is still fresh today. And he wants to remind you, so what? You've made your mistakes. So what? You've fallen short. So what? You've been up and down and in and out. I don't care. All that matters is that you get it here. Turn to me. Be honest with me. And I'll help you. Because I want to use your life. We were going to go back through the song, but it's just too darn hot to go back through a song and do all that. I'm not going to put you guys through that today. Nothing against our team. They're phenomenal. I'm just not going to do that. You've been doing 30 minutes with me. So I want to pray for you today. Can you stand? And then, then we're going to dismiss. And the good news is we don't have to break down anything. We're not even going to ask you if you can, if you're able, stick around and put a chair away. I'm not even going to do that to you. All I'm going to do is just pray for you today. And if you would like personal prayer of some kind, I will stick around for you for that, okay? Oh, God. I know it's hot. Lift your hands to the heavens. Oh, Lord, we come before you today thanking you for for life and thanking you, God, even in the good and even in the bad, Lord, and through the mixes of life, we come before you today and we say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. And Lord, there's a lot of stuff we could all say, I've learned this, I've learned that in life, and to, to you be the glory for that. But for other things in us, Lord, where we haven't really learned it, where we're hard-headed, where we're stubborn, where we're persistent in the wrong way, Lord, we come to you. And we repent and we say, Lord, we turn back to you in this area or that area, and we recognize you are the one 
who holds the end and the beginning. You are the author and the finisher of our life and our faith. And so we say we want to trust you in moving forward. Clear our eyes. Reorient our focus. Strengthen us where we're weak. Empower us and give us the wisdom we need so that, God, we can put into motion and into application your word for our life in the moment we're in right now, in the season that we're in right now, so that we can continue to navigate and move forward with you. God, I pray, let hope arise in our spirit. Let hope arise in our spirit. Today, water that seed of hope inside of each and every one of us, Lord, and let it begin to blossom. Let it begin to sprout, and let it begin to grow, and let hope take over and move our souls forward in you, we pray in Jesus' mighty name, and the church can say amen and amen.